0: This is Swapna. And
1: this is Ray. So,
0: so what's your hat today?
1: My hat. <laughs> it's, it's called Family Church. It's a church in town. So, uh, the guy gave it to me. So, I wear it sometimes. Nice. Our most comfortable hat's the coffee slinger's hat. That's my my most comfortable hat.
0: How? <laughs> oh, well, why do you wear a hat? Isn't it warm? Uh,
1: no. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure.
0: So many people do. I. I'm always curious.
1: I don't know if I wear it because I don't want to fix my hair. I don't think that's it, but maybe. I don't know. I just i like wearing a hat it's not about warmth or anything i don't know
0: <laughs> i think i should also just wear a hat non-stop
1: yeah i don't know i don't know why i do <laughs> no i mean it's I'm, I'm i wear it a lot of times i wear it a lot so
0: i i love wearing hats and i have like 15 to 30 of them like not hats mm-hmm. i mean not not
1: like caps It's like a cap
0: so lots of different versions lots of different weathers lots of different things i just yeah. i i like it so i have my I, cowboy hat and i have my yeah all sorts of fun things
1: yeah christy's wearing a lot of uh head um oh what are they called they're like i don't know i don't know what you call those skull cap maybe i don't know i don't know what they i don't know what the word is but it's just like a just she gets cold and then she gets hot and then she gets cold and then she gets hot. So she's taking it on off and on all the time. Yeah. So, but I usually don't. <laughs> so yeah. I uh I don't I think some people wear hats because they're bald and they want to cover up their their head for sunburn, you know, for the sun.
0: Oh so yeah, that, my dad that's
1: not that's not why my dad I, is,
0: uh, I, he hates Having uh, it exposed because he gets cold quickly, and I think Wong is fine with, but he really gets cold quickly.
1: Yeah, that's Christy. That's Christy right now. She's deciding whether she's gonna um, grow her hair all the way out or keep it really short. She doesn't really know because it's been really easy. <laughs> her life has been easy. So,
0: so is it coming back?
1: It's growing back right now a little bit. Yeah, so we haven't we haven't um, done anything to it, and I don't know maybe a month. Nah, three weeks, probably three weeks. So, yeah. but yeah, she's got a little bit of, uh, hair coming back in it. I don't know. She thinks it's going to come all back white is what she thinks gray or white. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um,
0: is, uh, is her mom doing okay?
1: Yeah. Um, they haven't, they haven't really given her any kind of diagnosis or anything. They're still waiting. They don't really know. So she's over there right now. She's there today. Wednesdays. They usually, um do yoga in the morning and then they'll eat lunch together and they'll hang out for a couple hours on Wednesday. Uh her her and her sisters and her mom.
2: That's that's kinda nice. Sounds
1: lovely. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, take advantage of the time. So it's good. Yeah. What else is going uh, on with you? What's how's your uh life going? I haven't talked to you. I mean we haven't really talked a lot in a lot in a in a bit, but
0: life has been good. It's been consumed by my children's extracurricular sports activities. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's really nice because uh, these are kids that we've known, some of them for eight years, like not just ours, but they've kind of grown up together. And so we have known the parents.
2: Nice.
0: And so it's it feels like a community... So it feels like we are hanging out with the with our children's sports yeah. community. Yeah. And I am very, very involved. I feel like could be less involved, but I don't know how.
1: <laughs> yeah. So do you uh, provide drinks and stuff or you just go and cheer on? Like what's your involvement?
0: My involvement is that I know everybody well. So I make it a point to know the parents, the coaches, the referees, hmm. the, the place that we play at. And if I'm curious, I actually could tell you just about the other team and their coach and the players that are on there. and so we 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 play basketball at Solid Rock, which is a little bit more competitive thing and there is this little kid who has cancer and uh, yeah. he's so tough and he plays and he's never played in our team but i know all these stories so i am i am the story collector uh-huh. so i collect stories of people of whoever walks with me for whatever time they do
1: so the 8 years in a community do you do you guys play with the same kids or they're like in and out families that come in and out or is it pretty much the same
0: so there are some families who've joined at the time that we did, and then some who joined along the way. People usually don't leave unless they leave town. Yeah. So. So it's and it's because and it's there is such an interesting overlap because. So for example, my older son plays basketball and soccer, and the soccer team is at four different schools in the city because. Mm. When you are a sixth grader, it's hard to find kids who want to play soccer and are really willing to commit that time. It becomes so it's, 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 uh, there are some homeschool kids and there are some kids who are in other schools. And I really enjoy just the diversity in that group. Yeah. And that's a new group for me because we've just been with that particular team. Our team is called Bananas so we go bananas on yeah. the on the side so parents go bananas <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah fun
0: and um uh, so that that team we have been with for for maybe 2 years now so yeah. that's a fun team and then the basketball team is mostly school and for my younger son he's more passionate about sports one of his dreams is to be a pro anything player so okay. uh so he is committing himself to the passion of becoming actually let me take that back he's he's driven to be a pro wide receiver
1: ah football that's a <laughs> that's a scarier sport
0: so i'm i'm trying to not not I'm trying to let him dream.
1: Yeah, how old is he? He's ten. Yeah, so well, there's a full life ahead of him. So you never know.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that life will offer him alternatives. It'll it's bump strong. him a
1: different way. <laughs>
0: I feel maybe life should nudge him, not me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. That let let life do it, because you know life has a way of doing that. <laughs> yes. I wanted to be a, um, I wanted to be a pilot when I was younger. When I was ten. 10 to really graduation. I was like, I want to be a pilot. I want to learn how to, how to fly planes. I want to maybe be a commercial pilot or something. Well, I got in my first plane as a trial and I sat there and took off and I said, nope, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> it was just one flight. And I was like, nope, I don't want to do it. So
0: You gave up after one flight?
1: Yeah, it was enough. Um, I had done a lot of the simulations. I had done a lot of the different experiences, but when I actually got behind the behind the wheel, Something in me said, "Nope, this is not what you're supposed to do." So I gave up. I love to fly, but I don't want to be the fly. I don't want to be the pilot. (laughs) So
0: that's interesting.
1: Yeah, it was enough. It was enough that one experience, and I I think that's why, in my opinion, um, kids that grow up um, in school because they're all the the question always is, "What are you going to do after you graduate? When are you going to do after you graduate?" And then most of us say we're gonna to go to college because we haven't quite figured it out yet. And so we're hoping that in college we'll get clearer expectations. But I kind of, my opinion is, we should allow our students to have like a gap year between high school and college so that they can have some experience, you know, like maybe go somewhere, travel or, or try. Like I say, if they wanna be a, a pilot or if they wanna be a something, go shadow someone, go go experience it a little bit to see if and this I'm is really good. what you wanna do, and yeah
0: what's the word Apprentices. apprenticeship yeah
1: yeah
0: it's interesting that's interesting so in in india uh, in medical school you do the entire medical school but after that you have almost like a gap year which means that you get to rotate in all the specialties for 6 weeks and uh, i started with uh, obgyn and uh, i have always been someone who's like quite uh, quite gung ho about stuff. So I, I I land in my first rotation. It's brutal. Like I don't think there is any other way to describe my my OBGYN, but maybe the most fulfilling rotation. So I delivered yeah. babies and it was a tertiary hospital. And so we would have these women who were in labor and oh my gosh, some of them were very experienced, so they some of for them it was like ah oh, not a big deal to just right. like my fifth kid, and some of them were scared, and some of them, were, but it was just incredible to hold this life uh-huh. in your hand. It was just quite incredible.
2: Right, right.
0: So I miss. Uh, I think I, I am not now not actually dealing with IVs and blood draws and all the stuff that I did as an intern but I miss uh, delivering a baby, actually delivering a baby. Yeah. Which I don't miss anything other of the real medicine. I'm not the real doctor, right? I'm just a psychiatrist.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting about that, that kind of brings a question I've, I've had and actually people have asked me like, okay, so in in your particular uh, studies, you studied medicine. You actually now just said you practiced uh, or at least went in a rotation to to see if that was a path you want to take. So so what what happened for you to shift over to um psychiatry from from practicing, you know, actually, you know, IVs and all this stuff that entails a doctor. Like what 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 made you shift to psychiatry?
0: Um so I was on my pediatric rotation and I've always wanted to do pediatrics. So it was, I really didn't start as being, as thinking that I would end up being a child psychiatrist. I wanted to work with children all my life. I knew that. And uh, again, the rotation was amazing. It was so many sick kids having so many things. So the medical college I went to was, was kind of one of the two free centers in a very big city. Of like maybe 4 million hmm. so and it was surrounding lots of rural areas so we would get really complicated patients and I remember one day I had to like do a lumbar puncture on a child who was maybe six and lumbar puncture is basically a, a, a big enough needle in your spine to look at your spinal fluid right and
1: so you like actually bend the child forward yes. and find the spot and then right there between the, the, was that the, ver- what is it, the vertebrae or the, yes. the um, you
0: find the right space so don't damage the nerve.
1: Right. Right.
0: You hit the nerve. Pretty serious. <laughs> yes. And the, the child was just so distraught and mm. I think I was distraught because the child was distraught. Right. And I knew that it had to be done, but the fact that it had to be done was very distressing and then i i guess uh, because i was distraught i thought i couldn't do a good job of it like uh. like uh it was just too much pain for me to stick a needle in a child and i think yeah. some people are able to really compartmentalize because my best friend is a, a neonatologist in toronto and she works with 25, 26 week old babies who basically have, I mean their IVs are like hair like hair thin. So really to put a put a line in those babies, it's it's something else.
2: Yeah. Wow. To do
0: procedures on, on 26 year 26 week olds is something else. So it's 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 interesting that my best friend and I have like uh have have such different ways but in the sense that you know there is some magic in just being able to heal and save a life that would not be saved if there was not modern medicine
2: right wow So
0: I appreciate uh, the the amazingness of modern medicine but it it's really hard sometimes for me to actually do that and so that was one of the reasons why I went into psychiatry. And psychiatry always fascinated me. I think I've always been good with people and talking and just knowing them. And I've always been interested in their stories and their struggles and what makes them work and what, what makes them resilient and what's hope for each one of them. So it was just a perfect fit, and then I was I came to this country, and it was like start from scratch because the culture was different, and the people looked different, and uh, everything was different. And so, so I got this amazing opportunity to work with Gene uh, Arnold and Michael Eman who were at the Songer Center in Columbus, Ohio, and they were doing some research in uh, autism and uh, I was clueless but interested and uh, it just kind of started there. And then I got to work intensively in an internship, externship, for three months on an inpatient unit. One of them was... um, was working with children and i remember this 17 year old who made this i think i've talked about this clay sculpture of yeah. carrying the world on on his back and the distress that that he felt and I, it was just something that was almost automatic like i didn't need to think i had to convince my friends and family that it was a sane choice <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: i think a cardiologist seems much more uh, cardiologist or neurologist seems fancy yeah i don't think psychiatrist especially in two thousand two thousand two, 2002 is when i decided and
1: uh-huh. so did now. you did what path were you on like what were you before you made the made the decision to to become a psychiatrist or a psychiatry what what path were you on like just pediatrics is that what it was or was there something specific? i think
0: i really didn't know but if i if You would, if because it's extremely competitive in India to get a postgraduate seat, it's like 0.01 percentile or some crazy number. Wow! So, even doctors like to become a doctor in a free public university is very hard. And then get to a group, some specialties are more highly sought than others, right? So, those highly sought specialties are like really, really hard to get in. But for me, I did the medical school and I came here because uh, we got me and my husband got married. So for me, things were a little bit kind of open-ended at that time. I knew kind of the direction I wanted to go and I was ready to explore. And then it was just amazing that I got this opportunity to explore psychiatry, child psychiatry and research in psychiatry. I, I, I believe that the research in psychiatry was what tipped me over I've always been a little bit of nerd and and love publishing papers and doing academic work and teaching academic stuff so I think it's it was really and these two people the researchers they were like they are nationally recognized researchers I still work with one of them he's the co-chair in one of the national committees that I'm part of so it's I feel it's sometimes just the people. Right. And funny story about Gene Arnold, he started in ministry. Oh. So I was telling him one day about you and our friendship and he said um, he said, you know, many t- psychiatrists actually start in ministry and yeah. he he was one of them. So he was a kind of training in ministry, then went to Hopkins to do the medical school, residency and fellowship, and he is so amazing. So it's been, I think it's kind of this combination of what I really wanted to do and what I saw was possible because I was at the right time and the right place. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so yeah.
1: It's, it's kind of triggers a question that I've, I've thought of as far as um, people's place in society or people's place in the world. And in your particular case, it almost sounds like a. Uh, I know that you know. You said it was circumstantial, and and maybe the right place at the right time. But do you think there was a inner sense of calling, maybe some kind of mm, inner inner direction? Um, so if you if you started with with medical, and that was your 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 undergraduate and kind of your 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 beginning works was medical and medicine practicing medicine, um, and then then seemingly because I don't know if it's normal for a psychiatrist to have a a medical beginning i don't know if that's normal or not i don't know if it's people just normal decide no,
0: psychiatrists are not so you can do psychology or psychiatry uh-huh. so i think my initial was medicine so
1: what's the sure. difference in psychology and psychiatry
0: it's the training it's so uh, psychology is much more theory based okay it's, you don't really learn about lungs and lung right. inflammation and asthma and heart disease so for example as a psychiatrist I've had medical school training mm-hmm. and I still have patients that are quite complex like I have patients with seizure disorders with uh. horrendous cardiac abnormalities and the medications that I prescribe so the kids that come to me are pretty pretty sick and so I often have to use six seven medications and they are on three or four of the medications so managing that is is a physician's job
2: right right it's
0: not a psychologist's job having said that i think i i enjoy the therapy portion as much as i enjoy the medicine portion i think to me uh, i i kind of lucked out I, I feel like i've gotten the best of both worlds i am a psychologist as well as a doctor so i'm the doctor psychologist which uh which to me is is really fun it's just fun to to play with kids which is what we do and uh, kind of chat with parents and then do the medicine part in the back of my head
2: uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. So just today i saw a patient who had a low heartbeat called bradycardia and This child is in foster care system, has been in the system for maybe eight years. And uh, I was just curious about why his heart rate is low. And I told the current foster mom, go get an EKG. And we figured out that he actually has a hole in one of his valves. Wow. So if I hadn't gotten the EKG we would have missed it and uh, we might have had an adverse outcome at some point because some of the medications interact. I mean, it's really good to know that your heart has a hole in it because otherwise sometimes people end up catastrophically dying because they don't know they have congenital heart abnormalities. Right. So I don't know. This is a long-winded uh, so no, but I mean uh, it's
1: it's good though because it's like if you can under like specifically in in psychology, I mean, so the difference between if I understand what you're saying, the difference between psychology and psychiatry, psychology, is a theory mainly focused on the function of the the mind, um, internal processing, but psychiatry um, understands maybe the whole person further 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 than just mental, but more because you were talking about heart and lungs and and chemistry and how that affects the the way that you process in your mind. So as one, so being theory-based, because I I actually was watching the uh, parts of the deposition uh, or the trial with Johnny Depp and Amber uh, Heard. And so when you're, when you're talking through these, you have a, a lot of mental, oh man, um, maybe imbalances, but then you also have a, definite medical component to it. (laughs) And so when I'm watching it, I'm like, man, there's, there's a a physician involved. There's a psychologist involved. There's someone talking about bipolar and talking about, you know, things that are, when people hear bipolar or manic depressive, or talk about, you know, personality disorders, they're saying, oh, that's like all mental, but truly it's a combo of your, your, your makeup and your chemistry. Um, And so, you know, the, the interesting thing for me is that you started in a seemingly medical direction as far as like the the physical person you know taking blood and working with with patients that are pediatric or or women you know OBGYN and then and then all of a sudden it's like i had this experience and i could not it's kind of like me getting on a plane and trying to fly it it's like i probably shouldn't be the one behind the wheel and so you're there with a needle trying to get the guy the the, the little child in the back um to get a to get some fluid out of it, a spinal, his spinal his spinal fluid and you're like, huh, someone else should be doing this. And, and, I, and I wonder if part of it is that experience and the other part is kind of like calling. You know, you're calling on your life for something different.
0: Oh, for sure. It's my calling because my grandfather, who died by suicide, was a very charismatic physician. And I always knew I wanted to be like him. Like that that was not a question I asked. Even before I was conscious of what I wanted to do in life, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor. So right. for me, there was no process that I came like it was just a it was it was something I knew and I feel like um as I've grown older I've I've uh appreciated that words have power and healing can happen with just words yeah. and food mm. and not heavy medications. Yeah. So really I am when I am with a with a family we are working on just intensive lifestyle interventions Oh, I don't know. I'm talking too much about myself. No, but that's today. good. I mean, that,
1: no, that's that's actually good. So, so if you think about this in in, in terms of calling, and the reason I keep saying, but Ray, calling, I'm not
0: supposed to be the doctor on the show, so we should. But you're not with- a
1: doctor. You're you're just telling your experience. You're just talking about your experience. Oh, and, you're and, not and, like
0: going to let this go. Is what I, I feel now. No, no,
1: that's just well, the the, the the idea of calling because I, I think a lot of people, especially in our society, with our kids, and if we go back to our kids and the way they're raised. In the way we're raising our our, the kids in our community, we expect them to know what they're supposed to do so that they can get on a path to get there. And I accidentally, I think I don't know if I told you this, but I accidentally found myself as a pastor. And I know that sounds really simple, but that was not what I set out to do. Um, but along the way,
0: even your father.
1: He's in ministry, and that's why I was like, I'm gonna do something else. so okay. but so the environment was there but my parents were okay with any path that we chose mm-hmm. you know as far as this uh, career and, and so
0: of all your siblings you've been the only person who. I'm should.
1: the only one yeah okay now my sister you could say she's in in ministry she's a she's a mom she she's kind of like you she's active in everything in her kids lives she's in the school um, she's at all their sports activities and, and the school counts on her. She's a, she's a heavy volunteer in the school, but she's also a pastor's wife. And so she's, she's heavily involved in ministry as well. Um, I would say she is probably the, she's probably the backbone to how the ministry works there. Um, wow. because she's very, very strong. She's very, um, capable. Um, but I don't know if she would tell Let's you. Pause like
0: if, Let's pause. I think you've said something that makes me want to pause. Uh-huh. So. So you've talked about your sister in, right now, and you've said that she is strong, and is the backbone of a of a community, or mm. just so. So it's 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 um it's an interesting point because you know some people are able to do more than others, right? Yes, They're there is a capacity, more, right? Right. They have right. they are able to be more. And when you are able to do more and be more, sometimes what ends up happening is that you end up living not only for yourself, but there is a huge portion of it that you sometimes dedicate, devote, give away. Because Mm -hmm. you almost, it's like the surplus that you have, like you have enough to live your own life, but you have, you actually have more to give away. Does it make sense?
1: It does. And I think in in and I don't know if this is a family thing for us, but we tend to do almost too much to a fault. Almost almost to the point of of danger. You know, I'm not I'm not, not danger, almost to the point of unhealth. So we I was, was hearing almost to the point of
0: angel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, not angel. But you know, a danger. And you're not just an angel, like, way? No. No, no, no. <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> Far from it. No, the, uh, you know, capacity is interesting. I've thought about it a lot. And I, and I think it goes back to my point of, of children and and teens and people, kids that are in college is that, you know, I don't know what the percentages of students that go through college and then don't ever do anything in the field they study. They end up doing something else. And I think that's why I'm, I'm <coughs> for, in my opinion, like this gap time, for there to be a pause for people to actually consider what their calling is or what they're designed for. Um, you know, you can go into the medical field and then can't get through, you know, pre-med because the capacity might not be there. Or maybe you get through all that and you don't really like people. So you just do you shouldn't, you shouldn't be in the medical field, you know? And so it's, it capacity is a big thing. Um, and my sister, she, she was, she's a person that doesn't, have like a career that most people would say she has a career but she is a integral part of the society
0: um, in the, the community
1: right the community and so she it's a big deal
0: to today she feels like she got a pat on the back
1: <laughs> no but she, she doesn't even want to I got a text the other day from my brother-in-law she got this award from the community but she would never tell anybody that um, because in her mind it's just normal it's natural it's what she should be doing uh, but she got recognized for something that she loves doing, you know. And so I, I think calling, when it comes to calling, and that's what my question, because in 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 my line of work as a pastor, there's a, a huge...
0: Pause you. Go. I'm going to pause you. There are like maybe five seven, or 15 sentences ago, I had a thought that I wanted to pause sure. you
2: sure. about.
0: So I you were talking about this gap year. I, I don't think gap year is so what you are asking for parents to do and children to do is to actually be open and not know where they are going and to take time that's yes. what you are asking yes and it's it seems like an ask because we pride ourselves in knowing the path we always have a plan we always Know what the next day is going to look like. we uh-huh. like to schedule things. we like to plan ahead. We like to know that i mean there is amazing amazing comfort in maintaining the status quo and knowing the plan and going to the next step and kind of following the path that's laid out for us but But, what I'm hearing you say is that. Sometimes when you are following the path, you might not allow yourself or it might be too distressing to not know the path, like to not know and be lost.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you are, uh, you're almost advocating for the high school, high school graduate saying it's, it is the right thing to actually not be on any path for the first few years or one year. I don't know. That's what I'm well, here I've, to say. Yeah. And
1: I've, I don't know how many conversations I've had. There are some, it's not a majority. There are some that are convinced they pursue it. They do it. It's It's like they knew early what they were supposed to do. But it's not nor it's not the regular, it's not the it's not the norm, you know. Um I don't know how many times I've had a conversation with a with a high school graduate. He's graduating, you and, and this is the season we're about to come into a graduating season. And what are you gonna do? Well, I'm gonna pursue microbiology. Okay. Well, then you talk to him five, six years later, and they are not doing anything even remotely close to that. Um, there's others that are like, I'm gonna be a marine biologist. Um and they're living in middle America, but they want to be a marine biologist. And so they start pursuing this path. Either life gets in the way, they get an opportunity that, that shifts them somewhere else, or logistically, it's just not possible. And so they begin doing something else. And, and I have friends and I have acquaintances, people that I know close that have gone through college and master's level degrees, spent lots of money, and then they're done and they're not doing, not even close to it not even anywhere near it. And I think the, I think the pressure from society is you need to go to college, you need to get a degree. Um, and, and, and sometimes the people end up biting off more than they can, than they can even pay for, you know, and if they're, if you're going to be a doctor and you have the gift and you have the skills and you have the, the opportunity to get the education, and then you graduate with an MD and then you go and you're, you're, an engineer somewhere is like there's value in the education, but not necessarily in the field that you studied. And I don't know how much of that is pressure from family, parents, society, or how much of that is just internal, like you said, I need to have a path and I need to know where I'm going. How many people have you met that are just unhappy with their, their career choices and their lives and their 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 job? You know, it's a lot.
0: There is a lot. But you know, there is also this push and pull between security. For sure. So the path before you, if you take the path that's outlined, it's secure. And right. we always kind of balance. We all we have to be secure before we can explore. Right. And so Yeah, and you need secure- to have
1: you need to be financially okay. I, I um, you know, I don't I'm not advocating, you know, laziness. <laughs> you know, like I'm just gonna no, sit no, here I, and meditate. I, and, you I, know.
0: I wasn't advocating yeah. it. There is this beautiful uh hierarchy it's called the Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm. our basic needs are really like water housing and then you meet those then you go to like a home then uh-huh. the next need is to be loved and to love and the next need is to self-actualize like really what we're talking about is self-actualization the calling why what makes you who you are and what can you give back to the world because I, I wonder if living is all about giving back like oh, yeah. you don't really live for yourself after a certain point you live for a goal for your family for your community for your country so you you kind of almost dedicate yourself and uh, maybe as a child you live for yourself or your parents or just to meet their expectations to be loved but as you as you get older self actualization is all, often what i think is is almost a primary need for me i know that i've kind of i'm at a place where i question kind of why i am here
2: uh-huh.
0: what's what's and my path is linked to why i am here so i was in a very traditional medicine feel and so a podcast with a pastor would be would not be part of my professional path <laughs> for sure but as i told you before i took a covid sabbatical and so i think i've explored things that i would not have if i was in my traditional well outlined well lighted academic path where it is from one paper to the next one student to the next Right. One lecture to the next, one patient to the next, <laughs> so that was the path that was clearly outlined for me,
1: right, and you probably could have done it the rest of your life and been fine and How I think I, I think part of the capacity though is like even when you just live for your family, your kids, your husband your your immediate family, that still is a giving back. you're not isolated and i and I think there's such value in that um and they and yet there's a calling on some people's lives that out that overextends even their family you know that that um the capacity is i'm going to care for my family they're going to be well loved and well you know secure and then it extends out to the community around you and i'm not saying it's for everyone you you and i both seemingly luckily um stumbled onto some things that a lot of people don't get to experience um you know i, I call myself an accidental pastor i'm not saying you're an accidental psychiatrist but for you sure, know,
0: no no <laughs>
1: but you did a lot of work and i'm and, and it's kind of cheap as the the work that you put into it like even myself but I'm saying I didn't, when I was in in high school, I didn't set out to do this, is really what my point is. Um, I really was going to do something else. And, and I was doing your something experiences else.
0: experiences have shaped who you are. Right. We talked last, our first or our second podcast, we talked about you being a cancer survivor and how profoundly that has shaped who you are. Right. So in some sense, you have this gratitude for a life that was not promised to you. And when you are grateful, you want less for yourself.
1: Right, right. And it's always, it it becomes about others. And it's, I know it gets annoying for other people, but I I say to people all the time, it's not about me, it's all about others. And I know, I think there's people that have um, incredibly difficult lives that when they hear that, they they've it's never been about them it's always been about people taking advantage of them and so i know that sometimes my life experience is because like you said i've had a <laughs> i've had an experience with death and i've had an experience with infertility and i've had an experience with you know isolation loneliness a lot of things like that and that that causes me to be like okay my life has been extended for a purpose so it's going to be about others not about me you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: um I, I think about calling and i think about uh, there's a scripture verse in ephesians And Paul says, I beg you to leave, lead a life worthy of your calling. And it's an interesting thought because I think all of us do have some inner sense of calling and whether we give into it or reject it. That's, um, he's begging us to give into the calling because that's really where this world's going to become a better place. Um, so.
0: It's interesting. You know, I'm hearing a lot of banging in my house. I don't know if you are
1: <laughs> very little, but yeah, it's there. Yeah. But.
0: Because otherwise, it's like, oh my gosh, we we should have planned better. But it's okay. But there is a lot of banging going on in my house.
1: I can, I can. I mean, I barely can hear it. <laughs> it's okay. Bad. Just so anybody, if you don't know, Swapna and I are both at our own houses uh, recording online. So this is a uh, the beauty of modern technology. So
0: <laughs> yes, yes. You so know, ignore the
1: distractions in the background. We're we're both family people. We have kids, so.
0: I know. My child is at home and sick and I have banging in the house.
1: <laughs> it might be your husband. You know, it might not be your child. but
0: <laughs> No, actually, we are getting our garage door replaced. So ah. I know why the banging is so okay. loud.
1: <laughs> there you go. But, uh, hey, I got to tell you, I know we, I don't know if we're, we, we want to talk about something else, but I've, I've followed your guys' lead and we're um getting a um out, a hot tub installed next week. So
2: Ooh, putting yeah. the
1: pad the pad in tomorrow, electricity in, um first part of next week, and then by the end of next week we should have our our hot
0: tub. I'm going to have like a hot tub party there. So yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah Christy is really a little nervous about what's gonna happen with it, but <laughs> she's really excited too.
0: So. I am excited for you guys. It's going to be life changing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're excited to it, it it seems and, and this goes into our conversation because it seems a little selfish um, because there's other things we could do, not only with the money, but with our time. But I told Christy, you know, this experience that she's going through has really um, given us an acute awareness of life, you know, and we knew it. And it's, it's one of those things where you have it in your head. But when you're. When your knowledge becomes actual sight, like you actually experience it, it's a different. It's a different way to approach life. So we're we're trying to take advantage of the time we have, you know, and that's one of the ways.
0: You know, you you are also role modeling for role modeling self care. When you it it okay? Let me let me let me collect my thought for a minute. So. So I have a couple of different thoughts in my head and I can get kind of confused with myself. But my first thought was, we all have unmet needs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in this process of giving back, giving out, sometimes for some people, the giving becomes more important than meeting their own needs. Right. And I wonder, because Christy has gone through just such profound life Profoundly difficult life experience since January. Whether you said, "Okay, it's it's time to just look at ourselves and maybe maybe consolidate, like just just live in the small mm-hmm. family unit that you have, and that's not any less than living in the big church family you have. It's just different. Yeah, uh, and maybe what the season needs.
1: I agree, and I and I, I think you you said, you know, what you said was the needs of others sometimes, especially if this is your calling and your vocation, sometimes overshadows your personal needs. And there's only so far you can go on fumes. You know, there's only so far you can go without stopping and actually filling your own needs. And and then it becomes a a situation that's really not helpful. It doesn't help other people. You know, if you're not, if you're not okay, then it's not, helpful for the people around you that you're, that you're supposedly serving, you know, and, and I think you're right. There's a season where we've actually stopped, you know, we've actually, um, sat still, you know, and said, okay, so we're going to focus on Christie's cancer treatment. We're going to focus on, um, our family. We're going to escape when we, when we have an opportunity. And it's just the, it's this little bubble of time for us to really look inward and, and focus on our family, which is really, it's kind of a blessing that's not not a lot of people get the opportunity to, to do this um, not for a season like we are um, I told somebody yesterday I would never want to repeat this experience but I would not give it up for anything um, it's been really powerful in our lives
0: and you've been present uh, and you've tried to be present
1: I've canceled. I've canceled on you way too many times.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> <I've>,
1: uh... <laughs> Every other day, I'm like, I'm sorry, swapped. I got to cancel. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs>
0: and I'm like, oh my gosh, Shreya has so much going on. Should he be even taking this on? So you know, when when Christie's died, diagnosed when I first uh, first knew about Christie's diagnosis. In January, we were we, we really didn't even know that we were going to do this. I think in uh-huh. February you said, Let's do this. And right. I was thinking, Why are you doing this? I, I knew that I wanted to do it, but I was thinking, Why is Ray doing this? He should not be I was overthinking on your behalf. Right. <laughs> I was like, Oh, you shouldn't be even thinking about it. But then I was like, he is a grown adult. If he <laughs> thinks he can do this, he can do it.
1: Yeah, so, well, we've had a lot of uh, starts and stops. That's for sure. <laughs> I've been a little uh, the the sputtering out the gate has been interesting, but but uh, it's a I think it's a worthwhile adventure uh, uh, for both of us, o- only because of the processing in my in my own mind and heart. But also, I believe there's things that uh, you have experienced and I've experienced that are helpful, and and that's the that's really the the underlying motivation. And when have when can you ever get a psychiatrist and a pastor together. I mean, that's just not a normal situation, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's not just about being a psychiatrist and a pastor. It's about being able to just be openly vulnerable. Yeah. So one of my friends who listened to us, she had listened to us a while ago. She didn't, she forgot to tell me about it. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, Swamna. I forgot to tell you. I listened to you guys and you it was interesting to hear you because it seems like you are good friends and there is nothing off the table right so i think that's that's almost i feel like um, that's that's one of my callings is to kind of share openly the challenges of living
2: mm-hmm.
0: and in that sense reduce the shame that comes from suffering huh. most people suffer alone huh. And most patients, most friends, most family members feel that they should not be suffering. And so the suffering is automatically shameful because they tell themselves that the life should have Facebook equality. Right. Because right. everybody else is having this Facebook life. So why can I not? And if I'm not, then I must be less. And actually, it's it's a struggle. So I'm I'm quite an introverted person. You would not know that.
1: <laughs> I, am or, an intro- I So, why do you think you're introverted, or, or what's the reason you're introverted? Because I, I, introverted or extroverted is I, an I interesting think I would thing. I just
0: prefer to be myself by myself. And uh, then am like, I think 50% of the time I would just kind of sit on the side. But if there isn't a call to action,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I will do it. Not mm-hmm. because I want to do it, but because no one else will. Yeah. I don't but do know.
1: people do people energize you or drain you?
0: They can energize me, but I don't need them.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I don't know
1: if I need them either. I I, I don't know. I, I teeter between introverted and extroverted. I, I, I was born introverted. Know. I was born introverted. I think, <laughs> but then I got hit on the head, and I think my. Personality shifted a little bit.
0: Uh, we haven't had a talk about your accident, so no, <laughs> you're not. I am whatever self about diagnosis. Whatever self diagnosis you. you have, I'm going to challenge it. There's so no self diagnosis.
1: It wasn't self. A, a, a neuropsychologist told me. Whereas we we actually, I went through therapy with him for a while. So
0: I don't know. I'm still. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised
1: gonna... it wasn't you at the time because it was uh, 20 years. Let me think here.
0: I was not in uh, Oklahoma and I was doing very different things. And I, most people don't end up in therapy with me because I take very, I I just see few patients. So most people don't end up with me. I don't know
1: if I would have gone to a psychiatrist back then in 2001, 2000, 2001, because. um,
0: So this was in your early 20s, right?
1: I was, yes, early 20s. Um, we can talk about it some other time just to kind of dig through it. But I think the reason I ended up with a neuropsychologist is because I was at a neurologist and he made an appointment for me uh, with the neuropsychologist. Otherwise, I don't think I would have found myself in someone that was kind of in the, both those worlds. You know, I, I just I just wouldn't. Have I
0: love so. neuropsychologists. They are brilliant colleagues and I work with them all the time. Because I I get the testing on children all the time from right. neuropsychologists. In fact, I am working with a panel, uh, with a panel every week, and one of the panelists is a neuropsychologist. She's interesting, fun, brilliant, and good to learn from. So yeah.
1: I actually enjoyed my interactions more with the neuropsychologist than when the, with the neurologist. It was just a it was a more, more interesting. And maybe that's because my, I like to think about the way the brain works and, and uh, why people do what they do and why, you know, one of the reasons that I didn't want to become a pastor was because I saw so much manipulation in ministry. And I really don't like manipulation. I really, I'm I'm fascinated it from a disgusting place, not from a, not from like, Oh, I want to learn how to do that. It's more like, why and how, and and how in the world do people actually (laughs) fall into that trap, you know? So understanding the way the mind works and psychology works, I'm really, I was really, I've always been fascinated with, fascinated with that. And
0: so Mm -hmm. then when
1: I find myself now looking back saying, well, you're a pastor, it's like, I try really, 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 really hard and and actually aware that, oh, this is not a, this is not a position for me to manipulate people. Um, This is for me to walk with people. That's all this is. And uh, so... So anyway. I, love
0: how, I love how you said it walk with people because we are not alone and we are walking with people right. some days we might not be talking and walking some days we might just be in our own head but right we are walking with people when we are living here in this world yeah I think we need to pause yep
1: well, we're good thank you so much